0: If I never get to play. where am I? You I? Give her the head nod, oh, my God.
1: Well, welcome to Prince Drop by Track. I'm your host down, and today we're going to be talking about Dreamer from Lotus Cloud 3R, uh, recorded sometime in 2005 initially, and then uh, with overdubs in 2008 at Paisley Park, or possibly Sunset Stand, <laughs> or I don't know. People don't really know. They just make a guess. We're going to guess Paisley Park on this one. Released on the 24th of March 2009 on the track, it is Prince, C.C. Dunham and Josh Dunham, and it is 5 minutes 30. Joining me to talk about today is Erica Thompson. Hello, Erica. Hello. Obviously, when when people ask for, you know, guitar influences, I feel that, you know, the lazy response is always Jimi Hendrix. Um, And yet there is a style of playing that Jimi Hendrix did... Um, that, you know, obviously if you're a Hendrix fan or if you're, you know, someone who, like me, has had a number of friends who insist on playing guitar at you all the time, um, then you kind of recognise a Jimi Hendrix style. And I would say that this song is the clearest that we've ever had Prince do, like, a Jimi Hendrix style. Like, that opening uh, riff um, just feels like... I don't know, just if... It, like. it considering as well that it's uh, it's drums bass and guitar and that's you know that was obviously the configuration of the Jimi hendrix experience it like this this song just particularly the way that the the riff follows the drum beat and the bass is doubling up on what the guitar is doing all of that and also the way that prince is playing the guitar it just makes this feel like a very kind of like hendrix rock song
0: yeah i definitely agree and you know Prince has always said that he plays more like Santana but I think there's no mistaking on this song that it's a Hendrix influence and you know it's funny um Darren on these shows that we do sometimes it's kind of hard to pinpoint a genre but I think we can definitely say Dreamer is a rock song
1: and also he has like an echo on his voice that is very kind of like 60s rock Um, But also the subject matter where he says, you know, I was born and raised on the plantation in the United States of red, white and blue. Like, obviously, you know, Hendrix, very famous for setting fire to his guitar whilst playing, you know, and doing like kind of rocked up versions of the American national anthem. So, like, it feels like those are kind of things that Jimi Hendrix was associated with. And Prince is kind of using that kind of imagery here to, you know, evoke it even more. And also the whole, you know, like Dr. King was, was, you know, on the balcony lying in a bloody pool, like referring to kind of like stuff from the 60s um you know it just it just feels like there's a there's a whole kind of thing um where Prince is deliberately kind of doing this this very kind of like 60s not only the sound not only like kind of the production sound but also the subject matter Um, And then, I mean, we'll kind of get into some of the lyrics later on, Um, but he does kind of hint at stuff here when he says a truthful explanation, but you want to know I got another conspiracy. And uh, Prince does kind of go, uh, I mean, not immediately, but towards the end, it kind of it kind of goes off the rails just a tiny bit. Um, but, you know, in, and the thing is as well, you know, what, what also makes this kind of like a Hendrixy type song is the fact that, you know, the middle section of the song for about a minute and a half is just a guitar solo. Um, and, you know, Prince does, you know, Prince has done long guitar solos in, in, in stuff in the past, like that's not unheard of. Um, but just the fact that it's like literally the first kind of like verse and then just a really long solo for the middle portion of the song and then he comes back in. And then, you know, there's a bit more lyrics, and then it finishes with like a minute and a half of a solo again as the outro. Like, again, like the structure of it feels very kind of Hendrixy as well. Um, just in terms of like the fact that you have these two really great solos as well. Like, you know, this, uh, I mean, you know, not for nothing, this was nominated for a Grammy for Best Solo Rock Vocal because, um, you know, it's a great vocal performance, but also it's, it sits between two like really good, you know, guitar solos. Um, you know, and also he has this whole thing of, you know, if it was just a dream, call me a dreamer too, which the thing is as well, like the whole kind of, if it was just a dream, I think is referencing back to the whole Dr. King thing. And, you know, I had a dream and all. So it's, it's kind of still playing with that kind of like 60s imagery
0: yeah um well first of all on the rock thing I kind of want to go like on my own and do some analysis on how many rock Grammy nominations he received because you know it always seems like Prince was underrated as a rock artist as a guitarist in his time so I wonder if this rock nomination was like a big deal if we look at the history there so that's research to do but I love how he lost to Bruce Springsteen <laughs> and it made me like think of an interview he gave to Rolling Stone in 1990, where he was kind of comparing himself to Bruce Springsteen, and he was like, I can play that kind of music too, but you will not do Housequake, (laughs) so so it's kind of funny that he lost to him, and then if you look at that whole category, it's like Bob Dylan, Neil Young, it's like all these old rock artists in 2010, and it just makes me think of like how people say rock is dead, and it's like no contemporary artist in that category, but like that's a tangent, but Darren, let's get into this uh, peanut butter logic, (laughs) which (laughs) I don't know if it's different than pretzel body logic later with Third Eye Girl, but um, in all seriousness, um, the thing I like about this is, you know, Sometimes, well, sometimes, most times it's kind of hard to decipher Prince's lyrics, but he actually gave an interview to Tavis Smiley in 2009 where he kind of broke this song down just a little bit. So there was um, a conference called the State of the Black Union. Um, It was founded by Tavis Smiley, the journalist, and it ran for about 10 years. And they talked about African-American issues and had speakers like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and Cornel West, but then also the late Dick Gregory, who uh, was a comedian and an activist, among other things. So Prince talked about watching Dick Gregory on the state of the black union and being really inspired, um, especially when he started to talk about the chemtrails controversy, um, which, you know, are allegedly chemical or biological agents left in the sky by high-flying aircraft. Um, and Prince, uh, references that in the song dreamer too but i mean to your point like dick gregory um you know, he, like I said, he was an activist. He really spoke about racial issues and Prince is echoing a lot of that in this song. And, you know, you mentioned the plantation um, lyric and, you know, Prince told Tavis to Smiley. Like, I, I feel like we're still like all indentured servants in the U.S. Um, so it's really kind of looking at um, race relations in America then and now. Yeah,
1: Um. I mean... I'm not, a f- I mean, the whole chemtrail thing, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, uh, you know, obviously the internet has, uh, you know, is a wonderful thing, but also people have a tendency to put a foil hat on and start kind of rambling about certain things, um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, jet engines leave chemical trails, like, that's that's just what they do, that's, you know, there's, there's no getting around that, um, but the idea that somehow that is, like, yeah, I don't know, like, this whole well, helicopter circles and the theory is getting deep that they're spraying chemicals over the city while we sleep, like I, I mean, I, I don't know like, I don't know that it's a deliberate thing like, you know, airplanes have to take off and land somewhere, and most airports are located near cities so if you live in the city, you're gonna see chemtrails, so it's like I, I don't know I, I guess I can understand Prince maybe not wanting people to be flying their planes or helicopters over his property and leaving their chemicals um, but I don't I don't know that that's any part of any grand conspiracy other than just the byproduct of you know air travel um I mean, it does remind me a little bit of the film Shortcuts by Robert Altman, which has the opening scene of that film. They're spraying something. I don't know what they're spraying over the city, but they literally are like, and they've told everybody stay in because we're spraying these chemicals. So that is a thing that obviously must have happened at some point in Los Angeles because, you know, there's a film that has an opening scene that has these, uh, these various helicopters flying over the city that are putting down these chemicals. But that's to get rid of like a specific pest. Um, like they don't like governments aren't just spraying chemicals in the brain center for no good reason. And they aren't like this is the thing as well as with chemtrails. And why I never quite understand why people think it's some kind of conspiracy is it's like everyone can see them. If you want to do something secret, then, you know, put something in the water. You know, like I can understand people getting mad at stuff being put in the water because you can't see that stuff. But chemtrails, you just look up in the sky and you can see them all the time. Like there's no there's no grand conspiracy to hide chemtrails. That's that's the weird thing. Doesn't matter how high up planes go, you can still see their chemtrails. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not on board with the whole like kind of conspiracy thing, uh, but I guess it does kind of. I don't know. I guess it speaks a little bit to this idea of like a you know like a hippie mentality and kind of you know people wanting to you know uh, question their governments. So I can understand that, but at the same time, you know. <laughs> this whole peanut butter logic served on a bed of lies don't go don't go down too easy um and it's just like uh, i i don't know like i mean i can under like the imagery of like praying that the police sirens pass you by at night like that's that's a great like that's that's a wonderful little kind of couplet, but then it's followed up with this weird kind of chemtrail stuff, and it's like, oh, you had me for two lines, Prince, and then you lost me so much, you completely lost me. But I think the thing is as well is this song is so kind of like I don't know, it's so good that you could almost be like it it, it kind of you know it it kind of um, lulls you in a little bit, where you know Prince starts out with this kind of serious you know like oh they killed Dr King and you know. Um, you know, there's more rewards and accolades than before the 21st century. And, you know, like uh, we're on the same boat, but I'm the only one rowing. Last time I checked, you were sleeping. Like all that's very good. And then it kind of takes this weird kind of like left turn towards the end where I'm like, Oh, you've lost me. But then fortunately he has like a, you know, a great guitar solo to finish the song. (laughs) So I'm like, well, you got me back Prince, you know, you lost me. And then you got me back with the guitar solo. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's it's funny because if you think of the title, like if you think of like dreamer, it suggests someone who's like hopeful and you know wanting to engage with people's dreams and stuff. Um, but it, in the end, it actually turns out to be like a bit of a conspiracy nut thing, where it's like, oh, you're a dreamer because you you know you I'm staying awake, you know, so you can call like it it means something completely different once you actually get into the kind of meat of the song. Um, but it's still such a well produced song. This is the thing. And interestingly, you know, uh, this was only the second time that Prince had been nominated for a Grammy for In the Rock Field. Pretty much all the time he was nominated, it was either R&B um, vocal performances or, or pop, male pop male ah, performances. Ah, that's what I thought. Some, sometimes in most years, he would be nominated for both. He would have both um, and, and, you know, like... Uh, when he was nominated for the first time, which was for International Lover and then 1999, he was nominated for R&B vocal performance for International Lover, but best male pop performance for 1999, the album. So he was both pop and R&B as far as the Grammys were concerned, with the exception of Purple Rain, uh, which was the only other time where he was nominated for a, uh, and won uh, best rock performance by a duo or group with a vocal, which is, I love how specific the Grammy, uh, the grammy nominations are in, t- in terms of he also won best score soundtrack for visual media for purple rain as well. Um, those are the two songs that he won that year. Um, yeah, but that, this is only the second time that he was, you know, would be nominated for a rock category basically. Um, he, he, you know, he, I, the funniest thing is as well, is he, he, when, uh, thirty one twenty one came out, he was nominated for both R and B song, R and B male vocal performance, R&B performance by a duo or group for Beautiful, Loved and Blessed, and also Best Urban alter- Alternative Performance for 3121. So he was in, th- you know, four different categories for songs from one album, <laughs> uh, which I guess is why I always find it so difficult to pin him down to a specific genre. Yeah. Um, but in this particular case, he was definitely rock. Um, and, you know, definitely kind of like, you know, uh, you know, a very kind of clear Hendrix 60s influence um you know which i don't know maybe because around this kind of like earlier in this decade he'd been kind of hanging out with lenny kravitz i don't know if maybe that had, had like a little bit of an influence on him lenny kravitz obviously been very famous for using um you know only speakers and equipment made in the 60s um you know which i always found to be a little bit gimmicky but you know these days i think everybody just uses pro tools and makes it sound like whatever they want it to sound like um but yeah i don't know i i really enjoyed this song and i really like the two guitar solos it's just unfortunate that it comes with this weird kind of (laughs) conspiracy theory stuff um that i guess i i mean i can't give it a five just because i can't agree with the kind of chemtrail stuff that he he kind of ends up diverting into um so i'd have to give it like a four it really it's like a four and a half but i would stick with just a four out of five for it
0: hilarious. I still give it a five. I mean, it's a kick-ass song and, you know, there are some things that I don't agree with in Prince's, you know, repertoire, but I don't know, it's still an awesome song, and I wanted to mention the live performance on um, Jay Leno, which features Sonny T and Michael Bland, which is so cool uh, because the recorded version doesn't feature them, but he, like, brought them back for this live performance. And kind of going back to the Kim Trails thing really quickly, I remember when this performance happened and, like, going online and people were like, Oh, Jay Leno cut out the part about the Kim Trails, but I don't know that I had access to go watch the video later, so watching it now before this podcast, I was like, no, they didn't cut it out, he just kind of switched up the lyrics, and I don't know if he was just kind of caught up in the moment of the song, performing it live or whatever, but I don't think it was it doesn't appear to be a conspiracy to cut that out of the show um but uh the performance is very good and you know the Hendrick vibes are are absolutely there um so I would encourage people to check out that live performance but I would definitely give this a five out of five Uh,
1: is that is that is that the performance where he hands the guitar to an audience yes it is And you see a you see a very confused Paul Giamatti just standing on the perform in the performance area just standing there being like what am I doing here what is going on now <laughs> like and you and the guitar just kind of continues to ring out a little bit uh, you know after the rest of the band have stopped it, I don't know it's a fun moment uh, I like the confused audience member just standing there holding the guitar being like what am I meant to do with this now like um, you know he, it, it's funny that he doesn't he isn't tempted to just sling it over his shoulder and just start playing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really good performance. And then this is a song, of course, you know, um, that Prince performed. You know, all the way to two thousand fifteen, it was like a regular in his set. Um, you know, he like clearly, um, it, it's it's you know, if if you're Prince and you like playing guitar, this is a fun song to play guitar to. So um, it makes sense that he would kind of keep this this in his set for the next few years. Um, probably one of the better songs that's on Lotus Flair as well, just because it it feels like it has such a even though you know apparently you know it could have been recorded any time from 2005 to 2008 it just feels like one of those songs that has a clear like everything the production you know the kind of the guitar solos everything about it just feels very clearly thought out you know like prince was very clearly like i'm gonna do a hendrix song (laughs) and you know he he kind of made the lyrics fit that and he made these solos fit it and like the whole thing just feels like a very well put together song um, you know, I can kind of understand why it, this was like the only song from this album to kind of get a Grammy nomination. Um, you know, even if, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the Grammy voters aren't fans of chemtrail stuff. And, um, but yeah, that category is really funny though, that you've got like Bob Dylan and John Fogerty and Neil Young <laughs> along with Bruce Springsteen. It's like four of the whitest guys in the world <laughs> and then Prince. And I don't know. It's yeah, it's just kind of funny. Um, i just i just i kind of like I no no but i like i like that you know you know prince had lost in previous years and he got a little bit kind of peeved about it and i just can't imagine how peeved he would have been losing to bruce springsteen it's just like um it's i don't know I, I, I it always makes i don't know prince always seemed like you know he had this kind of image of being like above it all but when he came to awards occasionally he you could see the bitterness and like you know he clearly just thinks that he deserves to win certain things, and yeah, Dream Dreamer's probably a better song than any of those other songs. Um, you know, uh, particularly. I mean, John Fogerty. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mind credence, but you know, it, like I, I, I don't know how anything John Fogerty's done since the seventies is anywhere near the same league as Prince. But you know, that's the Grammys for you. Uh, so, I feel like we said about as much as we can about Dreamer, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Erica?
0: Yep, I write about Prince and spirituality at a purple day in December.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss MISS underscore E Thompson, E T H O M P S O N.
1: And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you could email us, not sure why you would, unless, of course, you are John Fogerty. By all means, John. Do email uh, at at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Erica. Thank you.
0: Wake up, wake up. (laughs)
1: And otherwise, goodbye.